0: I don't need to save money I want to put on good fights so that was a good fight for the zone so I'm disappointed but what is the point in signing up for drug testing if when you fail everyone just goes oh don't worry about it just let him fight you know yeah. so and are you and, and the, the argument of well it's alright with you Ked, is totally irrelevant you've signed drug testing with VADA the best testing agency in my opinion
1: in the sport the VADA rules not kind of being in line with Wada, UCAD, etc., etc. Does it kind of create a grey area for whether he's done wrong or not? Not really. We signed up for a Wada test and he failed a Wada test. If we'd signed up for a Wada test or a UKAD test only, he would still be fine. But we signed up for a Wada test, and you know, I've, I've spoken to the British Boxing Board of Control. If UKAD and Wada don't do something about this for boxing, this is going to end in tears and injury.
0: Wow, um, yeah, back at it, hadn't expected to be back at it, so to everyone, welcome back to the number one podcast in on the sport where you can fail and pass the test at the same time. We're in a mess, boxing's in a dark place, we're in an absolute mess, this is a bit of a um, it's a crisis of conscience, a crisis of definition that we face in our sport at the moment, I have no idea what time it is, so I'm just going to check real quick. It's 2.36 in the morning. It's been that sort of day. I'm a bit cooked. I mean, cooked up some chicken, nine chicken thighs in, um, half a bottle of cognac in. You guys got to invest in that good cognac when it relaxes you. And that gave me enough time to reflect on this whole Connor Ben versus Chris Eubank Jr. scenario and saga. How does boxing find itself in this position again? It's not four years, is it? Since the Dillian White debacle. And here we are again. Do you remember, like, this is probably for the older fans. We used to sit here as British boxing fans and say, it was just the Europeans and the Americans that were doping. We never needed to dope. We were good old British, hardworking, solid as a rock, proper. We run up hills. We run along the beach, son. We get it cracking. Remember, that was the mindset. Like, we never believed people would dope. And when I'd say stuff like, yeah, boxing's dirty, I'd be, I'd just get shot. I mean, literally have my my neck and my hands put in the stocks and people threw tomatoes at me. And here we are in 2022. And it's slowly unraveling. So let's just start with the basics. Everyone knows, right? Today, it came out in the Daily Mail that Conor Ben had popped for clomiphene, which is normally known in the sports enhancement games, clomid. So it's worth understanding what clomid is. Clomid is a drug that helps your testes produce sperm and testosterone. Again, it basically reactivates them, right? That's what it's used for in men. There are other substances that have a similar effect. HCG will have a similar effect, but it's one of those two you're going to choose, right? And it depends what works best for you. Different people have different approaches. There are different protocols to a post-cycle therapy. Why clome is a big deal is you have to ask yourself, why would you need to fix something that should work in a natural state of things? Why would a 26 year old man need to restart his testes to produce testosterone and sperm? Why would he have to do that at age 26? What would have happened to him that was so traumatic? That's the equivalent of falling off your seat on a bike and landing on the crossbar. What happened? And secondly, if this thing was so catastrophic, if this was such a medical anomaly, where was the therapeutic use exemption? No healthy, fit man capable of exercise, capable of being in the shape that Connor Ben is, should have any trace of Clomid in him. Like just logic, you shouldn't. You see, and however we want to break this down and say, well, it could have been this, it could have been that. It can't, like, Clomid is so far removed from what an athlete like Conor Ben would need that it doesn't make sense. And this is why the World Anti-Doping Agency, WADA, placed it on the banned list because they said, if you're using this, it indicates that you were using steroids in the past. So when Eddie Hearn tells you Clomid's not a performing enhancing drug. He is correct, right? But then Lasix, which is a diuretic, is not a performance enhancing drug. It just helps you pull water out of your cells. So in a sport where you've got to cut weight, Lasix is a godsend if taken in the right dose. Now, Lasix is not performance enhancing, but it indicates something. It indicates an intent to cheat. Clomid indicates an intent to cheat because there's no reason you would have it. That's where we are. However people want to slice and dice this, Conor Ben has demonstrated his willingness to cheat. Whether UCAD caught it or not, is. we'll park that for now, but these are the facts according to VADA. Conor Ben was caught with a substance that indicates he was trying to cheat. This is a problem. This is a massive problem. If we just zero in on that moment where he gets caught, we need to ask these questions. Who else in that Sims gym is on the same blend of nuts, fruits and berries as Conor Ben? And if you really study it, you know those interviews they do with fighters with Tony Sims and he's adamant he controls all the training. The strength and conditioning happens in his gym. The boxing happens in his gym. He oversees everything. So we need to ask Tony Sims. And people are scared because he's meant to be this guy, this gangster. Maybe he is, I don't know. But here's the question for Tony Sims, the boxing trainer. What did you know about this? And if he says nothing, it's like, well, didn't you wonder why all of your boxers, seem, after seemingly having quite extravagant lifestyles and not being the most disciplined outside the ring? Why are they all in the same shape? Why have they all got similar physiologies despite having vastly different backgrounds and parentage? Did you not stop to think, they all look pretty similar? And even deeper than that, did you not find it strange, Tony? Because we know that you're on social media now. Did you not find it strange that there's a man called Dr. Uz who's a doctor who's interested in the andropause, which is the declining testosterone level in men once they get over 40. Did you not find that Conor Bend being so closely associated with an endocrinologist who doesn't mind boasting about what he does? You didn't think this was a red flag that you should counsel your fighter away from? I find that incredibly strange. So I draw the conclusion that no one in that Sims organization is immune from sanctioning this. They're all equally accountable because they must have known. Connor Ben's career parallels my start in the podcast game. And I used to say this when he was getting slapped around and bullied physically as a youngster, as an 18, 19 year old, however old he was. And I used to say, this is our reality television experiment. Let's give this kid time and see what he does. And he was getting splattered about, he was getting bullied and we're like, I don't think he's that good. Lovely kid, good person, really humble. Never speak badly of him as a human being. And then you saw, not necessarily a step up in level, but he got better names. But they were always fragile people. And then he was bullying and he was steamrolling people. And the physique changed. Things looked different on him. And you're like, that's not meant to happen at this point in his life. And as much as you want to talk about diet and this and that and the third guys like me are too jaded we've seen it too many times you know you're not a genetic one-off you are definitely not your old man i don't know what diluted it i don't know what diluted it was it the private education was it living in australia was it not being around that boxing energy till you were in your late teens what was it that diluted it? i have no idea but you're not your father But maybe you are in some ways because there were always allegations that Nigel Benn was on something. It's not for me to comment one way or the other. I think it would be disrespectful to do so. But there were allegations. The people he associated with, his admitted drug use, would suggest that there were no limits to what he would do by his own admission. So is it a case of like father like son? Don't know. Put it in the theater of debate but what we can say for absolute certain is Varda found Clomid in Connor Ben. And here's the thing people need to digest and process and reflect on. Had they shown up a day after, two days after, three days after, would they've caught it? Had they used a different testing protocol, would they've caught it? Maybe not. So let's praise you let's praise Varda, not UK. Let's praise Varda for doing their job. Praise Varda for exposing someone else who's trying to cut corners. I can't believe we're here again. So I look at this and I see, and we've got to talk about the main characters who have been running around today. So Eddie Hearn's been running around and he's been talking off that same script and he's relied on two previous examples. And he's relied on the Dillian White example and the Billy Joe Saunders example. So if you listen to him talk, he will say, We were here before with Billy Joe Saunders, where UCAD chose to ignore VADA when he tested positive for, was it Salbutamol? I can't even remember anymore. And that was the, the asthma drug. And what he neglects to tell you was the reasoning behind that. Because UCAD are bound by VADA, Salbutamol is permitted out of competition. Billy Joe Saunders tested positive out of competition. So by UCAD's own rules, they couldn't sanction him. Had he tested positive for another substance, maybe stanozolol, which is known as Winstrel. Had he tested for that, he would have been suspended. So it's not that UCAD ignore VADA, and we'll come on to that in a second. They don't ignore VADA, but they are bound by rules. Yeah, they're bound by the UK anti doping rules, which incorporate the World Anti Doping Association anti doping rules. That's what we're bound by as athletes in this country. Not just sports people, coaches as well. We're all bound by this. And then they talk about Dillian White and they say, well, Dillian White was cleared. Dillian White was never cleared. Dillian White was never cleared. Yeah. Dillian White popped for, I can't even remember, I was going to say it was Trembolone. I don't know if it was Trembolone or Turinobol. It was one of those anabolic agents. Yeah. We never knew what happened with the B sample, but I want to discuss B samples in a second. We don't know what happened with the B sample. What we know was he had to issue a defense, which was my supplements were contaminated. And he provided evidence to suggest that similar batches of the supplement he had taken were contaminated. Yeah, because you have to buy them at random or it might be that you can have to buy them at random. Someone has to produce a similar batch. Yeah, properly sourced to show that, yeah, these other ones were contaminated. But that A sample wasn't clean. We don't know what happened with the B sample. The A sample wasn't clean. So both Billy Joe and Didian White failed under VADA. So another question why are VADA catching people that UCAD aren't when has there ever been a a, a situation when have we ever had a time when VADA have missed something and UCAD have caught it never we don't have these problems and it worries me because what's the point of UCAD if VADA are doing a better job and that comes back to the real question here why pay the I don't know what it is 20 grand 30 grand whatever it costs why pay the money to have vada testing if when vada testing works you just dismiss it and say it's not important so what was vada testing there for what were we using vada testing for what were we trying to achieve with vada testing i still don't know does anyone know i look at you Kat, and i say here's an organization that's been afraid to tackle any mass participation sport with any significant revenue. I know from contacts I've got in the sport, rugby players are taking stuff with impunity. Footballers are taking stuff with impunity. And I can say this, I don't have to name names here because then it gets a bit tetchy, but footballers are taking it, hockey players are taking it. There are young women who have gone to New Zealand for the Women's Rugby World Cup that have been taking stuff. UCAT don't seem to care. If I know, how the hell don't they know? Maybe we need Varda just to come here and clean everything up, I don't know. But let's just drill down. So Hearn's telling us that Vada have no, no place in this because the British Boxing Board of Control do not acknowledge them. Does anyone remember Ryan Martin? So Ryan Martin fought Josh Taylor, I don't know, three or four years ago. And he failed because he failed a test for the metabolites of exogenous testosterone. I can't remember which they were, but there were definitely two metabolites that he failed for. Now, what's interesting is how that failed test came about. I think he was tested in early December. By UCAD. And he came back clean. He then got tested a couple of days later by VADA and VADA found these metabolites. And VADA notified UK anti-doping and the British Boxing Board of Control. I don't know if it's through the promoter or directly. And so UCAD went back and said, we're gonna test you again. Because remember at this point, they've told UCAD without telling the fighter that they failed. So UCAD go back and test again and then seemingly test him properly this time. And it turns out they found the same things that VADA did. So that establishes, there's a, there's a precedent for UCAD and VADA and the British board working together to catch dopers because that's the purpose of this, right? You have to catch the people who are cheating. So we know that they can work together. So that's another thing that Eddie's wrong on. And so in his media rounds, what did Eddie do? He went round and he used words like experts, scientists, process, legal, lawyers. I can't speak because of this. I can't speak because of that. Meanwhile, trying to say that Conor Ben's not a cheat. These are trace amounts. It's not performance enhancing. He he went into full spin mode. Don't be surprised if he spent all night preparing that spiel because he hit every outlet with the same key messages. You have to admire his consistency, but none of what he was saying was relevant. None of it meant anything. Because later on that day, what did the board say? This fight is prohibited. The board will not sanction Ben versus Eubank. So what does that actually mean? Here's what it means. You can't have referees. You can't have timekeepers. You can't have... Uh, you can't even have cornermen because they all hold board of control lanyards, right? So no one who holds one of those lanyards, no one who is authorized by the British Boxing Board can officiate in that fight or can participate in that fight. Tony Sims can't go to the corner. Ronnie Davis can't go to the corner. That's the real implication of this fight being prohibited License holders cannot be involved. Now, whether license holders can be involved in the show, I have no idea. But definitely for the fight, there's no one. There's no timekeeper. There's no whip. There's no official in charge. There's nothing. No board representation. That's what that means. That's why Hearn is so keen to get this moving, because it's going to be very expensive to find people who can come in on short notice And come in and do that. And you'd essentially have to have a parallel. So you'd either have to just have the whole show under someone else's guise. Or you'd have to have part of that show, British board, part of it, not British board. And that'd just be a farce and it'd be embarrassing for the sport. So the board have said the fight can't go ahead. Eddie Hearn tells us the lawyers are talking, trying to get this fight on. But if the board have said, no, I don't understand on what basis you can challenge this, you can go and get an injunction, but an injunction is to stop someone doing something. The board aren't doing anything. The board are basically saying, we do not sanction this bout, which is their prerogative. It is their prerogative not to sanction a bout. There may be a weakness around whether... They follow their own internal processes, but you, you imagine the board don't write a statement without reviewing their processes, right? You're hoping the board have communicated what they communicated from a position of strength. That's, that, that's the hope at the moment. Because what we've already shown is they've already worked with VADA. So this idea that a VADA test means nothing to you, Ked, it means nothing to the board, is ridiculous. Because what you're saying is, well, hold on, guys. Hold on. Someone over here is telling me that this guy has been done for doping. At least let me investigate what's behind this. And this is what this whole legal thing will turn on. And I don't think it's a legal thing. Just like the Dillian White thing wasn't a legal thing. It just wasn't. I think everyone needs to invest in high quality cognac, man. It just relaxes you. So Wednesday night, I'm just sat here like Rick Ross, pair of shorts, topless, chain around the neck, don't even know why, chain I bought from Wish, but it looks good though. I mean, I it definitely, definitely makes me out to be a, an Instagram influencer. But let's just come back to this. Here's what it all turns on. When you take the VADA process and how they arrived at their decision, and you take the UCAD process and say, well, how did you not arrive at your decision? If the VADA standards are equal to or higher than the UCAD standards, it has to bind everyone in this. If the VADA standards are lower, now I can't remember what the the top level process is. It's like the spectrometry, like where you really, really get down into the detail of the sample, which is generally what UCAD will do, right? Well, not UCAD, sorry. It's what VADA will do. UCAD might know they have other options, but VADA, top of the tree. Everything's top of the tree. And so if if it turns out that VADA used the the gold standard and UCAD used the silver standard, that will be a problem. So it's all gonna turn on this. What were the protocols used? It won't be anything about sample contamination because these guys are they're elite at what they do to give them their due. It will just be on what processes we'll use to test the samples. And here's another thing we need to talk about because I know what's gonna happen when I release this. People will say to me, yeah, we're just gonna wait for the B sample, like dillian. So here's what happens. And I had to go and ask people. When VADA finds something in your blood or your urine, they tell you, listen, you've popped for this do you want us to test the B sample? Yes or no? That's the question they ask. Do you want to, do you want us to do this, right? And there are these options. You can go, yes, test the B sample. No, don't test the B sample. I I admit I did it. Or C, you find ways to filibuster and delay the process. But what VADA are entitled to do at that point is make a record of that and say, you have delayed the testing of the B sample unnecessarily. So these are the questions we need to start asking. This is the sort of thing Coogan Cassius should have been asking. So when was, what, what date was Connor Ben notified? They say the test was in August. Let's just say Connor was notified on September 12th. I don't even know what day that was. Maybe it was a Monday. They say, mate, we found Clomid in your sample. And Connor goes, what? That's not possible. Here are your options. You can accept the finding or you can challenge the finding and we'll test the B sample. Did they test the B sample? Or did Connor Ben cough and say, yep, that's me. Go and talk to team eubank and they said right we're going to do this and everyone shook hands and said right this is all good we're comfortable is that what happened this was all resolved behind closed doors weeks ago but i find it hard to believe the board only found out about this yesterday or sorry, i should say october 4th because vada notify the sanctioning or commissioning body As part of their process This is what they do It's about transparency So the board would have known that this was found Therefore UCAD would have known that this was found Now I don't know if UCAD can say Yo can you share some of that sample with us I don't know But something has gone wrong here And it's not Vardas fault It seems that UCAD has not been fit for purpose for at least five years now, if not longer. And I'm not gonna blame the board for this because the board have to, like it's part of the UK anti-doping policy, you have to plug into this. And they don't seem, in their own guidelines, they don't seem to have a clear process of where VADA fits into this. And so this is a gray area that the lawyers are gonna have to try and thrash out. We don't know, is VADA binding on the board? Is it advisory to the board? Is it advisory to UKAD? What's VARDA's role? Because it is the voluntary anti-doping agency after all. So what do you do? But these are the things that Hearn didn't want to talk about because what it shows is this is an absolute mess. But more importantly, it shows that this didn't come out of nowhere and that this was complicit a long time ago. So let's ask another question. Why are the board reacting now? If we assume the board have known about this for long enough, right, and they must have done, why are they reacting now in fight week? Is this just a subplot to to get those last few views? And you say, oh, yeah, he popped for Clomid. No one's really going to care about Clomid a year from now. Look at the boxing hall of fame is full of drug cheats. So who's really going to care? Bit of Clomid, who cares? It's Connor Bennett's it's Eubank. Here's our last chance to get the eyes of the world watching. This could just be that cynical attempt to just boost everything and just get the eyes of the nation on this, finally. I don't know. I just... I'm fed up with all of this, is all I can say. Yeah, everyone needs a good cognac. There's, these are very simple facts. You guys all need to invest, man at least 150 quid a bottle if you can if you can't there's, there's, there's some in the 40 to 45 pound range that are equally as good but you know who I feel sorry for in all of this despite all my my throwing rocks at the show and this that and the other I feel sorry for Ellie Scottney and I feel sorry for Shannon Courtney and I feel sorry for everyone else on that undercard who've done nothing wrong and deserve to to make their money but when you have someone on top of your card who's not built for the top level and you've tried to manufacture, and you've tried to worm this guy into the top tier of world boxing and you've put so much pressure on the kid that he's had to resort to this. That falls squarely on your shoulders. Shannon Courtney should be mad at Eddie. Eddie Scotty should be mad at Eddie. And they should be saying... We're real fighters, we're real warriors in the sport. Why have you got that guy at the top of your tree? Why not invest in us the same way you invested in him? That's the right thing to do. I feel sorry for them and I, I feel gutted that they may not get paid. And that's the part of me that says, maybe the show will have to go on. As much as I don't want it to, but I understand why it has to. And at times like this, I really hate the sport. I really, really do hate the sport. Because we will never fix this. Until someone suffers for this, we will never fix this. Jarrell Miller popped. The show went on. Thank God it did, because Andy Ruiz did what Andy Ruiz needed to do. So we give thanks for that. But the show went on. Because they tell us... When boxing's in a mess, it's a business. When boxing's at the top, it's a sport. God, I'm just... I am. I'm fed up and I'm bored of it. So what we need to see now... is the board hold firm and say, we're not going to sanction this fight. Eddie can't go to other sanctioning bodies like the old days. In the old days, you could just go and get a German license. You could go and get a, a Spanish license or a Luxembourg license. You could... They could sanction bouts because under EU competition law, you had to have free movement of goods and services. And sanctioning bodies provide a service so they can move wherever they want within the European Union with no restrictions. We're no longer in the European Union, therefore they cannot just do this. And the board have the right to not recognize other sanctioning bodies where they feel is detrimental to safety in the sport in this country and safety is a big issue here. People say it's, it's Chris Eubank who's at most risk. I think it's Conor Ben, and I'm going to explain why. If the rumors are true and O'Hara Davis broke Conor Ben's jaw as a junior welterweight, how much can Conor Ben really take in terms of punch power? You know, Are we bulking this guy up to a point where his chin probably couldn't cope with what comes back? And are we creating a big risk for him in his own safety here? I don't know. Many of us don't know. But what I do is I care because we don't want a catastrophe. Can you imagine if this fight goes ahead on Saturday and someone's stretched out on the canvas has to go to the ambulance and maybe there's a bleed on the brain? Now we're just talking about why was this fight allowed to happen? And Robert Smith can't defend that. You can fight off people like us in boxing because you control who gets into the club and who doesn't. But this has gone beyond that. This is outside media. This is the people who wanted boxing banned anyway because it's barbaric. You can't fight them off. And this might be that point of no return. And for what? So Hearn can make his money? And Callie can make his money? Why are we not grilling DAZN on this? Why are we not saying, hey DAZN, can you explain why this fight will be broadcast on Saturday? Why are we not messaging Shay Segev, the CEO of DaZone and saying, mate, you can't allow this to happen. We love this sport too much. If you do this, we will not subscribe to your platform. You imagine if 10, 20,000 people did that. You really think this fight happens on Saturday? Hell no. Because if at some point, someone has to tell Eddie Hearn what to do. So now imagine you work for zone, and you're ringing Eddie Hurley. You're saying, so Eddie, what's happening with this fight? Why is this Vada thing such an issue? Okay, fine. I understand what you're saying, Ed. But you encourage people to sign up for this Vada. Did you not insist that Joshua Bartzi versus Jean Pascal should have Vada testing? Otherwise, you couldn't sign that contract in good conscience. Wasn't this what you said? So, why is VADA so important there but not important here? What was the VADA for? Are we now saying that VADA merely gives a fight an opportunity to back out of a fight if you fail for a drug test? If so, that's not the purpose of anti doping. So, you're still in this meeting with the zone, and now they're saying, okay, a couple of years ago, you said VADA was a gold standard and you didn't really care much for UCAD. Why are you changing your tone? Do you know more? Did you listen to the episode Terry did with Larry? One and two? Why are you changing your tone? You were adamant that Vida was the one. You were adamant that if people fail a test, they fail a test. No ifs, buts, or maybes. Now, now when your hair's thinning and that Turkish toupee you've got is a bit all over the place, now you're like, oh, I, I've forgotten all of that. And so I I look at this and I just, I don't, I don't see how boxing recovers from this and it may not end boxing today, but this will be that point where boxing starts to go downhill because people realize it's just a free for all. And they also realize that no one cares because it's not big enough of a sport for people to even want to legislate or regulate this, you know this is now where i kind of give credit to guys like carl frampton because frampton's adamant and frampton is now coming around to where i thought he would you know in the days when he was with guys like nigel travis and travis was trying to tell us boxing was clean funny how quiet nigel travis has gone recently and i'll say it and i'll call him out on that because that's clown business as far as i'm concerned this sport is dirty the men are dirty. The women are dirty. I don't believe anyone's clean in the sport anymore. I just don't. And people say, why? And I'll tell you why. The training loads required are so extreme. I just don't believe you can do that with some kind of help. If you could do it on just Nando's, man, I don't understand. But past a certain age, you just can't. And maybe the champions of, of the past are grateful that they've escaped the scrutiny that these guys are getting now. But hey... A lot of those guys were probably on it too. Let's not pretend otherwise. You always read in books that they were given tablets and injections of stuff they claim not to have understood. (laughs) They knew what they were doing because in those sorts of circles, this stuff has been known about for years. And now move it to 2022. Your average Gymshark athlete is probably taking something or other. Your average Instagram fitness influencer probably taking something or other. So, if they're looking that amazing having juice to the nines, you think boxers aren't? You think boxers look that way just on Tuna and Noodles? Of course not. And that's why I give credit to Carl Frampton, because he's now looking back and going, mate, the sport's ruined. You know, Johnny Nelson. He was probably the kindest to match him where he was like, Yeah, the fight will go ahead. Um, who takes Vida seriously anyway? Which is weird, but okay. And the Sky Lord have been jumping in. i tell you who hasn't piped up. Tony Bellew. Where's Tony Bellew? Every other drug cheat, every non-matchroom drug cheat, Tony Bellew's got the tweet ready, you know, about what he'd do to someone. It's dangerous. Someone could get hurt. Tony Bellew was silent for 24 hours straight on Twitter. We've never seen that since he retired when he wanted to just be Anthony, the father, the husband. Oh, he's gone back to that in a hurry, hasn't he? Darren Barker, Chris Lloyd, pissed poor. They know enough about this game to know that they were failures today. They were failures because what you saw when they interviewed Connor Ben and Chris Eubank Jr. were two people who had at least 12 hours, if not longer, to prepare their statements and to go over them and over them so they could rehearse them and nail everything and nail every mannerism. They were put out there to perform. And they performed well because they gave nothing away. But as fans, we know. We know that the probabilities both guys took stuff they weren't supposed to take. I can't be definitive, I don't think that's right with me, but in my opinion, both guys took stuff they weren't supposed to take. Maybe for different reasons, but at the end of the day, no one's going to sacrifice an edge. And I remember Johnny saying something in his interview that Eubank Jr. hasn't been looking that good and sparring. Eh, whatever. But has Conor Ben been looking that good and inspiring? Not from what I've been hearing. So let's, yeah, this is just bad. Um, these are times when I'm like, I don't even want to be a part of this sport. I don't want to acknowledge this sport exists anymore. It's too heartbreaking and soul-destroying to be part of this sport when we get this sort of nonsense. You don't get this with rugby. Rugby, at least clubs just go under because people spent more money than they wanted to then got buyer's remorse. This is an absolute joke. But we move into this crucial period now where we work out whether this fight's going to happen or not one way or the other. Do you know what? I'm 30-something minutes into this and I'm just jaded now. I almost don't want to carry on recording because... Nothing nothing from the nothing in the public arena's committal, right? Let's break this down. Coogan Cassius lowballed it. Radio Rahim, at least he asked the question publicly, right? What's the point of VADA? But everyone lowballed Eddie and allowed him to talk nonsense and talk about specialists and lawyers and this. Well, who does he think does the testing? There are a handful of labs in this country that can do anti-doping testing, a handful of labs in the states that can do it. Big damn specialists. When these are people with doctors. who's Eddie Hearn to talk about? Oh, these ones will be done by specialists. You're disrespecting the process. Connor Ben got found out by specialists. He didn't get found out by amateurs. You know, And I know Vada won't talk about individual cases, but I wish Vada had come out and said, this is our standard process. They haven't done. Because they've got a business to run. And this shows how incestuous boxing is. But this has been a tough few months for Hearn. Joshua falling off a cliff. Boasi not getting the fight with Pascal. All of this stuff. And then Hearn's just having a hard time of it. And you almost feel for him because, I mean, apart from his Turkish turban, his Turkish toupee, whatever you want to call it. You know, I mean, these things aren't his fault. But he's taking he's look, you know, he's taking the fight on himself. And it's up to our media outlets. Why isn't Rob Tebbit asking these questions? Rob Tebbett listens to what I say. He can pretend that he doesn't, but he does. Because that's where the hard questions come from. When were the board notified? What is the process? Do VADA have to notify the board? Who notified the board? And what did the board initially say? There's no way the board found out yesterday. No way in hell did the board find out yesterday. If they did then this conspiracy of silence is worrying because how many other bodies are hidden in that desert? How many other times have these fights gone on after a handshake and a a few extra kids being passed to the aggrieved party? How many more times has this happened? If you want my opinion, then I'll probably wrap up here. Here's my take on it. A lot of these boxers, and I'd include Conor Ben in this, are people who would find it hard to resist the temptation of performance-enhancing drugs. I think in this case, he probably didn't resist the temptation. And maybe in other fights, and guys like Chris Van Heerden and Chris Algieri will probably want answers because their suspicions will be through the roof now. These guys are guys who have traveled around rings. They know who can do what and who should be capable of what. Are we going to ask questions of Dr. Dr. Uz, Usman, Ajay, whatever his name is? Are we going to ask questions of him? When will he come out and explain what has happened here? Now look at the list of people he's worked with, guys like Tyson Fury. Are they going to answer questions about what is their involvement with this guy? Interesting that he's deleted all of his social media. He's deleted his website. He's taking it offline. Why? Because he went too far. He drew too much attention to himself. Those who who sort of messaged me privately know. As soon as I found out who this guy was, I was like, I can't believe this guy is being so blatant. How have you got syringes in your bio? I'm a testosterone replacement therapy doctor, and I work with these boxes. They were hiding in plain sight and no boxing fans wanted to admit that because we're weak. As boxing fans, we're weak. We always want to assume that these guys are our heroes. This is why I say boxing attracts the most unhealthy human beings ever because you want these guys to be the heroes that you're not. You love guys who fight because a lot of you guys can't and every time you get kicked in the face, what do you do? You cry. You cry but you accept it because you're like, I can't fight back. Everyone here should have been fighting back. They should have been onto zone and Shay saying, this can't happen. And how many people have shown any backbone? Not many. That's the sad part about all of this. Boxing fans are just going to accept it. They're going to be people going, I paid this much money. I better get a fight. I can't help you guys. I can't. Two episodes with Larry in. We've covered it all. We've told you what this game really is. You had guys like Ricky Hatton bellyaching about this whole thing. There were allegations that he may have failed the test and agreed to carry on fighting on a handshake. These are only allegations, may I say, so I can't say definitively. But his name is in the mix. I have a real issue with all of this. Because you guys are the ones that should be making all the noise. You should be pressing the zone. Forget Eddie. Eddie will never give you the oxygen. zone have to because you pay them directly. Request refunds. Make noise. Stop all of this. And let's just have a Saturday where if they can't find a replacement for you, Bank, forget it. Let's just have the undercard happen. And let Matchroom take the loss. That's what I'd do. At this point, I've got to go to bed because it's not sensible to be up this late where you've got to start early in the morning. So good luck. And look, I'm not going to do another episode about this. I don't care what the developments are. It's a mess. It puts boxing in a bad light and I'd rather do things with my time that make me smile. And today hasn't made me smile. It's a dark day for boxing. When you start to challenge your own commissioning, governing body, whatever you want to call the board... When you start to challenge them, that's like being a teenager and telling your parents this is how it's gonna be in the house. You have to come from some kind of messed up, privileged, silver spoon background to believe you, sh- you can do that and you're entitled to do that. And I don't have time anymore. <laughs> I wanna go and do fun stuff with my life. You know, you guys enjoy. And, you know, keep up the good fight and do the right thing. Make sure this fight doesn't happen on Saturday. As much as I suspect it will, you got to fight the noble fight. And on that note, I want to say take care, guys.
1: Diisopropylamine dichloracetate, so DADA, D-A-D-A. Um, cool compound, been around for, I believe, five or so decades over in the liver-based world. So people that have liver dysfunction and things like that been medically used for a while now. Came over into the sporting world, to my knowledge, about a decade ago. I know I've been using it with my athletes, especially at the Olympic level, people at uh, the top level at CrossFit, so at the CrossFit Games. We usually, whenever you're trying to skirt drug tests in organizations like that, that's usually where data really shines. Um, and again, for my own purposes, it's been used for with athletes for about five-ish, six-ish years. So been around forever. Um, most people don't know about it. And it's a pretty cool novel little compound. Now, first of all mentioned about being the drug test, it's completely legal and it's not on the banned substance list. So although you can mess with downstream metabolites in trying to beat testing times, which is very easily done and very easy to do and is done all the time. When you're dealing with dealing uh, and working with a drug tested athlete, you can always just choose to pick the compounds that aren't even on the list in the first place. So. They're not testing for it. So it's obviously not going to show up. So what diisopropylamine dichloracetate is, is actually a pyruvate dehydrogenase 4 kinase inhibitor, or kinase 4. Um, if we look at this specific subtype and ice form of pyruvate dehydrogenase, it's really cool. Cause if you're understanding what that means is it's inhibiting an inhibitor of pyruvate dehydrogenase. So let's backstack. Let's both remember what glycolysis is. Glycolysis is taking a glucose, getting it downstream through glucose six phosphate, through all the other fos- uh, phosphofructokinases and all those other cool things, the hexokinase enzymes, things like that, downstream to pyruvate. From pyruvate, we can go to either lactate, or we can go over and get ultimately to acetyl CoA. So if we're looking at that acetyl-CoA conversion, so now look at the end, so post glycolysis, pyruvate to acetyl-CoA, it's that intermediate player that takes pyruvate, gets it to CoA, then from CoA, it goes downstream through the Krebs cycle, electron transport chain, and eventually gives us ATP. So if we are inhibiting an inhibitor, you are taking the brakes off your ability to get pyruvate to acetyl-CoA, which means unlimited ATP. Not really unlimited, but a massive amount of ATP recycling generation and ability to just drive that entire energetic process that you cannot get with any other drug out there because there's no other pyruvate dehydrogenase kinase 4 type of inhibitor out there. So you can imagine that over in the sporting world, especially with CrossFit athletes, this absolutely has so much validity. People at the Olympic level, tremendous validity. Literally any kind of athlete, think and ask yourself, can I use more ATP? Can I have more energy? Well, that's going to mean that you can do more load in the gym. That means you're going to do more reps in the gym. That means you're going to do more volume, more damage, more myotrauma. So no matter what athlete you are, proclaiming dichloracetate can definitely help you.